Did you know that you have the power of fashion? You do. And most people are not using it to their full advantage. They are not showing up as powerfully as they can in their day-to-day lives with their consumer choices and how they are styling their everyday looks. I'm Tara Patton, and I created this podcast, The Power of Fashion, to remind people that you have everything you need right in front of you. It is my mission to help people work with what they have, to simplify their lives, and to live their very best lifestyle. Now more than ever, it is time to take advantage of what you truly want your life to look like. And that is everything from what your closet looks like, what your relationships look like, how you travel and who you do business with. And here on the power of fashion, we have the opportunity to talk to some of the world's thought leaders, some of the most elite fashion minds in the industry. And as your host, Tara Patton, it is my great honor and pleasure to present to you today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Power of Fashion, where one decision can change your life. I'm your host, personal stylist, Tara Patton, and I have a very special guest joining us today, all the way from San Francisco, the lovely Christine Woodward, who is a former designer and now owner of a women-led consulting business. Welcome, Christine. Hi, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. I am so excited about this conversation because you and I are so aligned in so many ways, especially when it comes to lifting up other women and focusing on that confidence factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you do. It's, it's so synergistic. Like you said, it does take both aspects for sure, because I can't empower women and give them the skills of confidence without them being dressed um, to the nines to be able to go out into the world with that confidence. I I actually almost should make that part of my curriculum and we should tag team. So let's talk on the side about that. (laughs) I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) Good. It it really does make such a difference. Don't you find it? Like what what you're wearing says Mm -hmm. a lot about you. And I know we Mm -hmm. talked about this before, but it just really exemplifies Mm -hmm. what your brand as a person is representing. However, you're showing up. Absolutely. So Christine, today I want to tell our listeners about your journey to becoming the confident business owner, the design background. I know you lived in New York and you have that interior design background and how you're creating this space now for women to rise up with each other. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, it's a very circuitous way to where I've gotten to now. I was in advertising in New York. Um, with McCann Erickson. So one of the biggest advertising agencies out there next to Grey Worldwide. And um, from there, uh, it was really just not the most fulfilling. I was on the Wendy's account. So yes, the burger joint (laughs) and was sitting on, I I don't know, the 67th floor and having a conference call or, you know, conference meeting and just realized this was not what I was looking for. I wanted that creative outlet, but not on a topic that I couldn't value. So I moved back to the Bay Area, San Francisco, and broke into the design industry by way of an interior design firm, residential interior design firm. And I really enjoyed that. And it, it did, it started to feel that more fulfilling, satisfying experience of the creative world um, in a way because I could change people's lives in such a positive way, being the built space that they you know, occupy. Um, and I took it even further from interior design and actually went and got my master's in architecture back in Boston 
and really enjoyed the experience of, like I said, that built space, but went even further from residential and actually went into hospitality. So hotels, restaurants, because I loved really changing the behavior that can happen within an environment like that. You know, when you're at a restaurant, you're basically in a bubble having your own experience and each table is one of those. And a hotel is very similar to that as well. So went into hospitality design, I've been doing that the last 15 years with a sprinkle and a dash here of residential or um, workplace. So for some of the biggest um, VC venture capitalist uh, firms here in the Bay Area, loved all that, love design. Again, have that creative streak in me uh, but it was just taking its toll. The industry is maybe not the healthiest in terms of its cultures. Uh, for the most part, you can definitely find the, uh, so, you know, many amazing small firms out there that um, don't encourage that poor culture or toxic culture. Um, but it was really in my last role in the city that I was um, de design director and I've worked for some of the biggest firms as well. So Gensler Restoration Hardware, where I worked with Gary Friedman. And it was there at the smaller firm where we did the workplace for the VC firms and that I was the design director. And I started moving into the director of operations and really loving helping the owner growing his firm. And I had already done this for other firms in the past, but not as formally with a title as director of operations. And once I slipped into that role, which by the way, as you know, would not be a common state for a designer to shift over to the business operation side of things. So it's, it's very uncommon. Um, it was just, you know, it was perfect. It, I found my groove um, and I finally could say that I could do this for free. And I, I now know that that's the symptom of finally knowing you're in your niche. Um, and it was from that experience that I just wanted to amplify it and multiply that experience with that owner and make him a client and then have many more of those. So I, I took the leap. I did um, and went out and started my own consultancy. And from there, it snowballed into what is 19th and Co, the women-led consultancy, as you mentioned now, um, in a way that I could, uh, really the mission of it being that I could empower women to join the consultancy so that they could practice their craft and not get bogged down by the business side of things, because we handle that aspect and they could have the lifestyle they always wanted. So we're not only empowering our consultants, but we're empowering the clients that we help. And so to answer your question in terms of how I'm doing that, you know, we also have a passion project called the Judy Project. And it stemmed from having helped all of our clients and realizing that at the heart of everyone, for the most part, every one of their, I guess I wanna say issues or concerns that they bring to us in terms of solutions they're needing, stems from confidence and really just that decisiveness or lack of decisiveness to take the leap and you know diversify services or streamline operations and spend that time and effort and, and budget on it. And um, like I said, so really at the heart of it being confidence and the Judy Project is that it's this training program for women um, to level up in confidence. And it's so near and dear to my heart and something that women and I see it every time, you know, not only my clients, but when I'm recruiting even for clients, because that's one of the services we do, the women versus the men are so hesitant, um, you know, won't raise their hand for opportunities metaphorically, uh, and, you know, really are waiting for us to kind of hand them the baton before, instead of them just owning it. Um, and I'm, I'm sick of it, frankly. I have a daughter and I don't want her being raised in an environment like that. I, I want her to know that she has just as many opportunities and just as many rights as the man next sitting next to her. I love that. I have goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is such good work. And especially for the next generation as well. Yeah. 
It's yeah. so important. And, you know, I read a study once that said the reason that men make more is because they're the ones asking for the raises. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. We, yeah. We I, there's, yeah. And sorry, I just have to interject. It's absolutely right. There, there is, there's just as much opportunity as for women, but I still say, even in that same breath, I'd say it's still the culture and the norm that they might not be treated to believe that they have as many opportunities if that makes sense. So they're in an environment that yes, the opportunity is there and they're expect their male counterparts are expecting them to raise their hands just as frequently as they are. But because the culture doesn't expect women to speak up. So when they do, yes, they are treated differently. And so that's really what the Judy project is what this train tra confidence training program is. It's not only to level up in your confidence, but it's actually the responsibility that once you level up in your confidence, it's to spread that effect in your all you know it's a ripple effect that we need to have happen in the female community so tell me more about exactly how the judy project works christine how does somebody get involved in that that you know has this need for this confidence yes i'm really glad you asked so at this point because it is in its infancy um, we have been doing webinars uh, workshops but for the most part it's one-on-one -on -one coaching um, and, you know, I have to say, as much as I love the big groups and being in front of an audience or a webinar, given the virtual nature of things now, um, the one-on-one -on -one is still so near and dear to my heart because I really get to know people. But to, you know, really have this catch on fire quicker, which is my goal, those bigger audiences also, um, I spend just as much energy on trying to get it out there in that capacity as well. So going into companies and having um, conversations with not only the female employees, this is for everyone. I, I know I did say this is for females. They are the ones that I believe need it most. And I don't mean that to be a pity party on women. I just mean innately, we do not have as much confidence, but I mean for anyone that's feeling they need to level up in their confidence. So this is why we go into um, companies and have um, seminars with them or workshops in, in office. So it's that it's, you know, it's, uh, the coaching one-on-one -on -one, or, you know, my big, big vision again, as I said, this is in its infancy is really having this be in elementary schools all the way to senior care living facilities for women. And again, for any other individual that's feeling a lack of confidence, but which many men do as well. So I, I don't want to discriminate, but um, what I do want to do is focus on the women because that is the uh, biggest, I guess, ingredient to the gender gap at this point. I love it. And they can find more about that on your website at 19thandco.com. That's 19thandco.com, right? Yes. And I'm going to put a ping in there for why it's called 19th and Co, because it's actually named after the 19th Amendment, which was the right for women to vote. So that was the beginning and the, the, you know, the real first huge stride that we made as women in this country, in this world, um, and, and really this next step is closing this gender gap. And the only way I believe we can do it is from this bottom up approach as opposed to a top down because the corporations are run solely by men. Um, and again, I'm not putting men down. It's just that they don't understand because they don't have that innate lack of confidence because of so many things culturally, um, you know, primitively and also chemically, you know, in terms of testosterone. So there's so many reasons. So I'm not putting them down. It's more just trying to uh, lift the women up and it does need to be a bottom-up approach. Well, and I mean, as you mentioned, it's only been a hundred years since women had the right to vote. And right. it's only been a few decades since women actually really started coming into the workplace. So right. we're, right. we're, we're on that second generation of that really. No kidding. 
And, and so it's, it's all very new still. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all still bogged down because we are still in that second generation of just having come out to the workplace, as you um, mentioned, you know, that we're still bogged down by having to still be the state, the stay at home mom rules. Right. So we're having two jobs and research is out there. It's true. It's still the case. And so maybe the third round or the third phase of all this will be, we're both in the workplace and we have this mommy's helper, you know, that's such a role. And I know that only comes with the wealthy that get to have that opportunity, but maybe there's some supplement that the government, you know, uh, helps to fund in so that women can, and this is, but only when policy, policy can only change when women start to really speak up. Exactly. I was at uh, an event recently and the man was a stay-at-home dad and the woman was a doctor and, 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 but what happened was, and the reason this is interesting, um, because I thought, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Right. But what happened was the other men, the other two men that were standing in this group of people at this, we were at a barbecue, uh, said, oh, that must be nice. You know, just to stay home and take care of the kids. And, you know, they started giving him a hard time. And I stepped in immediately. And I said, I said, how respectable of you, sir, to be a parent to your child, instead of expecting the mother to go to work, to take care of the house, take care of the kids, and you just do whatever the heck you want. And I looked at these two guys and they, they shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's way to go, way to go. And I think, you know, that leads me to the next point. First, I do want to say how I hadn't realized you're absolutely right. It is rare for the man to, to, or for the man and the woman to reverse those roles. And when they do, they are going to get pushback. But the second thing is, is what you just did. um, We're actually for the opposite gender of the males, but what we need to do as females, which is support each other. So, so much about it, this is leveling up in our confidence, but it's also about how we react to each other. And I can't tell you how much the rules need to change how we react to each other as women um, in our community. You know, there's always this one-upping and this competitive nature, as opposed to when someone's humble bragging, it needs to be a positive thing, them humble bragging. Their humble bragging is, is artfully boasting about the amazing accomplishments. And the next woman standing next to her, we need to give her a pat on the back and say, wow, you're a badass, way to go. And not feel less than, um, you know, and, and not allow for that celebration of that other woman's accomplishments. Uh, and it takes confidence to pat her on the back. And that's where it all, that's why it all starts at the confidence, but we need to recognize that the rules do need to be redefined. Absolutely. And I love that point as well. When I started in the workplace 20 years ago, uh, it was so much competition. It was so catty. It was so challenging. And it was like, there's only one seat at the table for a woman and we're all fighting for it was the, was the kind of environment that you were in. And, you know, because I was younger and, you know, unexperienced or whatever, inexperienced, you know, I got this sort of treatment like, uh, oh, you know, and it was, really challenging and it does create this level of competition that is unnecessary because if we are all to work together if we are all to lift each other up we could accomplish so much more and I say that to my girlfriends sometimes I said I think that's why men are afraid for us to unite because we get so much done when we are in a powerful group of women that are are patting each other on the back that are encouraging each other that are lifting each other up you know uh, a rising tide lifts all boats that's what I quote all the time. I love it. Yes, absolutely. It's why the government tries to keep down unions. It's essentially the women trying to create a union. <laughs> absolutely. And I have to put a ping in for a uh, plug in for this book, Wolfpack by Abby Wambach. So it's small, nice, easy read, but it does, it talks ex- 
about these particular points exactly. You know, we've got these rules of engagement that we currently use as in, in the world of, you know, female engagement. Um, and she's redefining those rules by which we engage. And that's, that is what needs to happen, but we can only do it when we have the confidence to pat the next person on the back. I love that. And her wife, Lennon Doyle, wrote a yep. book called Untamed, which is one of my very favorites. Oh, there you go. And that book actually inspired me to start this podcast. Oh my goodness. Well, full yeah. circle. I know. How funny <laughs> yeah. is that? Well, because she talks about how we as women have this innate wildness in us and how we are trapped inside these roles that society has created for us and we continue it by allowing it to happen and mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and by putting everybody else in their little box and staying yep. in your lane and yeah. like anything is possible and it, the world has told us for so long this is what you need to be doing you know this is who you need to marry this is yeah. how you need to behave this is how you need to dress mm -hmm. you know Norms, yeah. it's it's yeah and, and so I love that we're breaking that and I love that yeah. we're we're coming to the table with you know unity and confidence and really just saying hey we can do anything we just have to do it together right exactly yeah that's like brilliant the rising tide lifts all boats it, oh that that's one of my favorite quotes me too yeah because it, it reminds you of the energy that's around. Because even if you don't say anything, you know, if you're thinking it, people know it. Right. Yes, absolutely. No <laughs> you know, I've, I've sat in rooms with people before, had conference tables and things like that. And I could just tell this person did not like me. And, right, right. You know, and it throws you off a little bit. And you're like, okay, but with confidence and with a belief in your mission and what you're saying, what you're doing, that's a great example of when you can overcome those things and not let it bother you. It yes. doesn't get to me anymore. I've got rhino skin now after a yeah. couple of decades <laughs> of, of brushing that off, you know, right, right. but I used to cry about it it used to hurt my feelings and I'm not gonna lie sometimes it still bothers me a little bit oh, yeah oh yeah but when you focus on the mission and you focus on the reason that you're doing it and for me mine was there's people that need my help and I and I made it not about me anymore I made it about the people that I wanted to help and that was the only way I could get out of this trap that I was in of self-doubt and procrastination and distraction and there's just people that need my help Mm -hmm. And, and I think you are, are helping so many people because you had that same feeling and that same yeah, thought, yeah. right? Yep. It's exactly it. Yeah. It really did become bigger than me. And, uh, this idea, it, it, it was that mission, as you said, and that drives me. And that's what makes me feel like I could do this for free. I could do this forever. I could talk all day long if I didn't get exhausted and didn't have two kids, you know, I, yes, it's exactly, I know it's the right path to be on finally. And I love that you said that, you know, in the beginning of, of this podcast about how, you know, right. Because I tried so many things and, and when you get to that knowing of, I do this for free, here's where I'm at, but you did a lot to get to yes. that. Point. Oh yeah. Please don't think, please. If anyone if took anything away from this, <laughs> even if it's not the confidence I, I do, I actually struggled with this a lot and that is trying to find your groove. Um, it took a lot of prototyping is what we call it in design thinking. Uh, and it, that requires you to move quickly and move from failure to failure to failure, moving quickly. You know, Winston Churchill's quote is success isn't about uh, failure. It's about how quickly you move from one failure to the next. Um, so it's that resiliency, but there is that feeling of, you know, when you watch your friends doing the 
traditional path of staying at a firm, you know, for five years or 20 years, whatever it might be, um, it, it makes you question your journey. Um, but I cannot stress it enough. If you are not, it would be like finishing a book or a movie. And I'm of this school of thought just for the sake of finishing, as opposed to putting it down because you simply do not like it. You've gotten five page in, you got, you got far enough that, you know, in your gut, this is not the right fit for me. I'm not going to finish this book. Why don't we use that same methodology and decisiveness in our work, you know, space? Why is it that we have to stay in a career for a year? What's this magic year number, right? Because the next person's going to think a year's not enough. So what are you going to do? Stay two years just for the state sake of staying two years? I'm telling you, just keep pushing to try to find, you know, that that groove. But it takes confidence. It does. So this is just one other area where we're we're uncovering what is necessary, and that is confidence. And that's how you build it. Yes, yes, and it does need to be. And this is what we train on that with every action you take, the smallest of action, it builds on it like a layer cake and it gets taller and taller and you get this big, beautiful wedding cake by the end of it. And I don't really mean a wedding by the end of it, but uh, you know, it really is this revolution we talk about. Um, so this turning um, of the formula of the thoughts and action that equals confidence, but you need to continue that. And in the smallest of ways in every aspect of your life, and you will see that in time, you will have that quick way about you to be decisive um, that builds that confidence just much more naturally. I think that is a very good sign of how confident someone is based on their decision-making time. Yeah, decisiveness, absolutely. And you know what, what's interesting too is from being a designer for the last 15 years, it's almost part of the training. So in architecture school, it is that decisiveness. You know, why did you do that? Well, you have to have an answer. You can't just, I don't know, I liked it. <laughs> That's not an answer. Uh, so you, and like you in fashion, you have to have an opinion. Without an, an opinion, you're not a stylist, you're not a designer, right? An opinion makes a designer. So uh, sadly, it actually trickles into my personal life and I need to actually table my decisiveness or rather my opinion, <laughs> right? A little too, a little more in my personal life. but. It does. If it's that decisiveness that I realized was the starting point for my confidence, so much so, um, and that is part of the training cur curriculum that we teach. Oh my gosh! I think I want to join the GD project. <laughs> <laughs> Love to have you. Well, I really think there's some synergies there with the stylist. It will, and, and when you were talking about the fast food background, like fast fashion was what was my <laughs> impetus as well. You know, it's like yeah. all this fast, fast, fast. You know, I know yeah. we want to make fast decisions, but I think the world kind of in the industries that we've both kind of started in that, that really inspired us to say, no, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. And, and how can I be a part of the, the antithesis to this? Because yeah. it, there has to be, a, a another uh, option there has to be more and yeah. that was you know a lot of my journey as well you know and it, it's it's so interesting because the one thing and the, the one thing that I find really important is you can't change your current thinking with your current thinking so yeah. you really need that that catalyst that Judy project you know yeah. someone like Christine Woodward you know <laughs> to to help you like you know lift through that sludge and get it out and it continues to come so I really am of the school of thought that it is an ongoing process you oh, know yes 
if you're here, you get to learn more, you get to expand, you get to awaken, you get to be better. So, you know, the, the tagline for our show, Christine, is one decision can change your life. And I know you've made a lot of good ones, but what would you say was the catalyst for you? That was your one decision that really sent you in this direction of, of leading, uh, you know, a female consultancy and, and just really charging the way for women to be more confident. It was, it was being, there was many moments along this one decision, but it, I, I think the most important one that I think a lot of listeners can maybe use in their own life, as opposed to just saying, taking the leap and quitting my job and going out. Not many people have that opportunity to do that. Right. But I didn't quit my job first, right? The first decision was I asked the owner, my boss, can I change roles so that I could try it on? And I didn't lose income, right? So this is something that every listener can do. Um, worst case scenario, your boss understands that you want more challenges, right? And so you, even if you stay in your same lane that you're in, you get to still broaden your, your horizons and your, and your challenges. But I think it, that would be most relevant to everyone listening. It would be that decision that I, you know, really stepped out there, stuck my neck out there and asked the owner if I could change my position. And this, this is a big ask too, just so everyone really realizes is I was hired as a design director and I shifted from the director to the director of operations, which is a completely different, I mean, he lost his design director. <laughs> so I had to hire for myself, but um, yeah, that would be the one decision that changed my life for the better. And you just, you just stuck your neck out you asked and it, and it shifted everything. Yes, and I do wanna make clear too. So again, as I mentioned, one of the biggest and hardest things in my professional life, which I'd love to hear if everyone else has that too, is, is am I doing the right thing? And if I'm not, I wanna change and having that you know, uh, courage to go out and change the job. Like I said, just moving on and not finishing the book for the sake of finishing the book. Oh my goodness, Christine, I could talk to you all day about this. This has been such a great episode. I'm so, so grateful for your time today, but I know you have a lot of women to, to lead and inspire and, and help. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind leaving our listeners with one final piece of advice on how they can right now today, take a step, make a decision to change their life and, and to really go after what they know in their heart they're here to do, what would you say to them? Yes. So you already know in your heart what you need to do. So you've already made the decision on what idea that might be, whatever it is, small, small, large, I'd start telling people and you need to tell five strangers and five family slash friends. Um, and in the next week you need to do that by, so what is it? It's Monday. So by this next Monday, you need to have told 10 people, even if it's five and it's a couple in each of those categories, but it does need to be some strangers and some people, you know, and I'll tell you what, you will be surprised at how different your frame of mind shifts. So tell five people. Yeah. A 10, ideally five in each category, but yeah. <laughs> and you'll start to take action. Tell 10 people mm -hmm. what you're doing. That's right. That's right. And even if here's the other thing too, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And what if that's not the right thing? That doesn't matter. The idea is that you're taking action on this and this is you trying it on. Imagine going into uh, you know, a retail store, you're in the dressing room, you're trying things on. This is that. If it doesn't feel like the good fit by next Monday, you do it again with the next idea. And that's why you tell strangers too, because they are safe. They won't remember that you, you know, the next stranger won't remember the previous idea and wonder why you changed your mind. And again, changing your mind's okay. Why are we always, you know, almost looked at with crooked eyes when we change our mind, we should absolutely have every right to do that. So that would be my recommendation and you'll be shocked at the results. 
Yeah. So many people say that, you know, what do you do? Oh, funny. You should ask. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even fib just say, uh, this is actually something I've done with clients in the past. So we'll go out and if they meet, when they meet, I encourage them to meet strangers and they have a whole story that they want to be their future. And they tell that story to these strangers while we are out. And I can't tell you how many of those clients have then turned that story into their future and their current reality. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it's so powerful to take what's in your head and put it out into the world as this realistic, tangible item. It really does become that once you vocalize. Yeah. And that's how you get out of doing the same thing and having the same results. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're stuck, people are stuck in that place. And, you know, we, we talked about failure and decision and we've talked about so many good things today, but the only way to really fail is to quit trying. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. That gave me chills now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Chills just coming across back and forth. We actually, I do call it the chill factor. (laughs) But that's how you know. That's, yes. you know, that's how you know. You're like, Ooh, that's Agreed. alignment. That's Agreed. good. There yes. we go. That's yes. the truth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much again, Christine, for all you do and for your time today. And uh, for all of our listeners, please visit 19thandco.com. That's one nine T-H-A-N-D co.com. I'm also going to put a link to Christine's website and more information about the Judy project can be found there. So please visit her website, find her on social media. You can check all the links that are in the description of this podcast. And thank you again so much, Christine, for your time today, just for all you're doing for your chill factor (laughs) and for, for the energy that you're bringing that the world needs so much right now, especially for the next generation as well. And you are a great example of what uh, a woman in business uh, should be doing right now. And, And I am so grateful. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so glad you were here to hear that inspiring story. I want to remind you that you have the power of fashion. Every day when you get dressed, you get to decide how you're going to show up in the world, how your day is going to go. And I don't want you to take that lightly. At Power of Fashion, we are on a mission to inspire people to show up powerfully with how they dress, how they think, how they interact with people, and how they make their choices when it comes to consumerism. So please make sure you remember that the power of fashion is in your hands and your actions will speak much louder than words. For more information about today's guest and this podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest or have a guest that you'd like to hear, please visit tarapattenstylist.com. That's T-A-R-A-P-A-T-T-E-N-S-T-Y-L-I-S-T.com.